Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How would you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit reset, and that's when you can reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. Look, it's summertime. Transfer window is coming up. It's gonna get crazy. So if you ever just wanna, again, take a step back and relax, read the transfer rounds, read the gossip rumors, grab a Coors Light. It'll be perfect companion for all those transfer merry-go-rounds. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when the beer is cold. That way you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Now that it's finally hot in Minnesota, I'm gonna be looking for an easy beer to drink, and Coors Light is perfect for that. It's lagered, it's cold filtered, and it's cold packaged. It's, again, made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies perfect for a moment to unwind and so when you want to hit reset reach for the beer that's made to chill get coors light in the new look delivered straight to your door with drizzly or instacart coors brewing company golden colorado and as always celebrate all right so you're listening to this podcast right now london is blue and guess what we host our podcast on anchor.fm that's right if you're looking to host your own podcast this is the easiest free way to get started. This has got a content creation tool allows you to record and the podcast right from a phone. That's right, don't even need a computer, but you can do it there too. They'll also help you distribute it, which is probably the most challenging part. You don't want to have to mess with that. They got you covered. You can get it right on a Spotify and Apple Podcasts as well as any other place podcasts are found. And you know what? You can monetize it too. Make a little cash for sharing your great content with the world. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one individual place. So you know what? Head over to your app store, download the Anchor app, or head to anchor.fm to get started if you're ready to launch your podcast and make it happen. Hi, this is Ruben Loftus-Cheek. This is William. I'm Mason Mount. You're listening to the London is Blue podcast. All right, what's up, Chelsea fans? We're coming at you from Heathrow Airport. Getting ready. Bags are packed. Heading home to the United States, but we have one last piece of business to do, and that's is a match review podcast. It would be terrible of us, Nick, if we left without talking about the Brighton match. I'm just here so I don't get fined. Wow, okay, that's uh, that's a really great way to look at it, Nick. And he will be if he weren't. So, the good news is uh, we've got a, a nice little corner here, but obviously we are in an airport, so you probably will hear updates over the intercom. Like, like, like right that. now. <laughs> just go ahead and please ignore that. So. As we get through this, um, we're just going to jump in again. We're on the road. No Patreon. No five-star reviews. Apologize. We'll catch you up when we're back stateside. But we had our third match of the week. All of them at home, which was very lucky for us in that sense. Uh, We were awaiting the first Premier League win at home under Frank. And, Dan, we got it. We finally got it. Hallelujah. The monkey is off the proverbial back, and now Frank can get on to more pressing matters, like continuing to answer questions about who the penalty taker really is for the team, because as we found out this game, it was Jorginho with one of the goals for this match, Nick. We, we like to do an overall theme for the show. That's, that's a thing that we're trying to do now. I would, I would say the overall theme to this show uh, and, and this match review is probably clinicality. We, we have to look at finishing, kind of moving forward. I think Chelsea had plenty 
of opportunities to kill this game off very early uh, because Brighton offered almost nothing, Brandon, to the game. Uh, but but we're not clinical enough, and so that's that's going to be a lesson moving forward. Well, kick it off, as always, like we do, uh, Dan, with the lineup. All right, so we had Kepa between the sticks. We had Azpilicueta, Andres Christensen, Fakayo Tamori, and Marcus Alonso as a back four. We had Ross Barkley, Jorginho, and Mason Mount in our midfield. And then we had Pedro, William, and Tammy Abraham as our starting 11. We did see substitutions from... The Mishi Batshuayi, minutes for Mishi, Mateo Kovacic, and Oi Oi Oi, Hudson Adoy as our substitutions this match. And, you know, I think when we were looking at the lineup at the cock, people were a little, you know, a little wondering what was that actually going to look like in reality, Nick. I mean, because most people are like, what, where's Mason going to play? Why, why isn't he maybe further up the pitch? Why isn't Kovacic there? Conte isn't available. All these, like, crazy elements to it. Yeah, I mean, I think the one that you look at is, is Barkley in the pivot, and um, considering how we saw him play the pivot on uh, Wednesday night against Grimsby, where he basically did not play it uh, and was further up the field, uh, that, that kind of worried me a little bit, um, and that ended up proving, again, to be the case. Uh, Ross Barkley ended up playing much closer to goal, and I think Frank, midway through the game, Brandon kind of switched back to a 4-3-3, Drop Mason deeper, boss, Ross the boss, um, had a little bit of, of freedom, but I think generally kind of pushed back in the midfield a little bit, and it kind of looked like a normal formation for us. Yeah, so definitely it was a 4-2-3-1 starting out, which depending on what app you use for the lineup could have been a little misleading, but it was without a doubt as we sat there in the West Upper uh, as such. Uh, as we look through some of the stats, Nick... Uh, definitely strong from Chelsea's perspective. That is correct. You, you would be shocked if you watch this game that we only had 52.6% percent of the possession. Don't want to round that up to 53? Uh, no, no, <laughs> no, we didn't deserve it. Um, because Chelsea completely bossed this game. Again, Brighton offered so, so little. Um, they actually are one of the worst teams I've ever seen uh, at Stamford Bridge, so that's that. Uh, 10 shots on target to Brighton's one 24 shots in total to Brighton's eight, uh, 760 touches, blah, 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 blah. I mean, this this was uh, as dominant uh, as the stat line as we've had this year. And, again, cannot emphasize how poor Brighton were in real time, Dan. Yeah, we as we watched the match, and I think we just saw that there was very little desire to do anything than to try to play the ball forward. There was even some time wasting very, very early on in the match. I mean, when you look at the fact that yeah, and Matt, Matt Ryan, I think, definitely kept them in the game for at least the first half and made it way, way more difficult on us. But then we had plenty of opportunities as well. I mean, there was a Pedro chance. There was a Marcus Alonso chance. Brandon, there were plenty of, on another day, that goal goes in moments, and you kind of had that sneaking suspicion that maybe we were going to struggle to actually get this over the line. Right. I think that, you know, the, the frustration comes from not being up earlier and not being up by more. The fact that we had to wait for a penalty, uh, thanks to our high press in Brighton, deciding that they want to dilly-dally with it in their back line and take a bunch of touches. Um, 50th minute penalty was deserved, but not not what we expected. It should have come much, much sooner. Uh, then thankfully, we get Callum on. Uh, the game starts to open up a lot. The, the Callum-Tammy-Mason trifecta really work in the left side, uh, which brings everyone over and opened up a ton of space for William. I mean, 
Callum misplaced his pass a little bit earlier. He could have found William and again. It's just great to see that those guys can occupy so much attention and we just release it to the opposite side and, and run with it. Um, but again, if we, if we kind of break through some of the things, so uh, we were talking with some people for the match and if we pull out Tammy from this match, I mean, Tammy should have had one, two, two, probably. two, two at least, Nick. I mean, yeah. he definitely had a hat full of chances we just didn't see the clinical Tammy today. Well, I mean, look, the one the one that he was trying to chip Matt Ryan on, which was an outstanding attempt and an even better save, you know, that'll happen in the Premier League. You're going to come up against goalkeepers just standing on their head. Matt Ryan had eight saves in this game, which is, you know, Brandon, your, your cur- <laughs> curse of average goalkeepers playing extraordinary against us continues. Um, but Tammy also... Had one in the first half that he absolutely should have buried, skied it into the to Rosed, as as we'll like to say. But it it just wasn't his day, and that's okay. You know, I think these are these are more um, more chances for him to kind of see different types of defense. Brighton again, we're sitting much deeper than you know previous teams that we played. Liverpool gave him a little bit more space to roam in between the lines than Brighton did, who are a little bit more compact in. And uh, and I think he kind of struggled to, to find his way a little bit. Yeah, they were they were a very flat back four, and really the two center backs both were on top of Tammy for the entire game, and he was getting double teamed. And there were a few times where he ended up being able to kind of pull two of the defenders together and actually you know work around them, uh, but it was difficult, and it was a very hard day at the office for him. So I think. What I enjoyed getting to see was kind of the continued determination, the willingness to come back. Uh, you know, great opportunity. You know, we always talk about Giroud and his ability to hold up the ball. A couple times when Tammy took it onto the chest, you know, with someone basically trying to pull him to the ground, held it up really, really well, and was able to distribute it to another member of the team. So He's getting better at that, too. Absolutely, without question. No, his hold-up play was strong. Uh, we, he, it, was, it was much, much better than what we've seen. Uh, which is obviously great. Great to he needs to add that to his game. That's what Chelsea need, especially with you know wide wide players running off and around him or midfielders coming to support. So um, it, it's good to see his game evolving, knowing that he was still involved with um, the attack. He, he didn't score right, but we we can see that he definitely contributed. And when he was subbed off, it was a standing ovation. Yep. Everyone would clap Absolutely. him off, cheered him off. And to be fair, you know, cheered Mishi Batshuayi on as well, hoping that he could come in, um, you know, and he got a little bit involved. Well, I would say, too, about Tammy in, in the stadium, and I, I hope it's coming across in the TV coverage as well, he, you know, even if he makes a mistake or loses the ball, immediately the Tammy, 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 uh, Abraham chants go, and I think the crowd realize how much weight is on the number nine shirt and on his shoulders. And I think want to give him all the love and support, Dan, and that's huge. Well, there's a realization that he is a, he is a premier league striker. You know, he is not the, a championship striker who needs to prove that he can make it in the premier league. You know, the fact that he scored seven goals already is just emblematic of the fact that he has all the characteristics necessary to be successful at this level. But just like anyone, there's an adaptation period to doing it week in and week out and having to shoulder that responsibility. And he's shown a willingness to come in to combat for 90 minutes or the amount of time that he's allowed to be on the pitch. And the, the fans, it resonates with us completely while we're in the stands, Brandon. So the next 
kind of big standout player that everyone is tweeting and all the journalists are writing about uh, was Jorginho, who from a, a leadership role in the midfield, he did what we've come to expect of him, organizing, directing, leading, not still not the best tackler, but provided so much going the other way. And that's what we need, and that's what we needed to see. Um, obviously, outside of him having the, uh, the penalty, uh, which you know definitely elevated everything, overall, Nick, just watching him cover so much ground. Uh, we, you know, again, we're West Upper, so we have a very tactical view. Uh, Jorginho has an absolute motor. He doesn't stop. But what kind of stood out to you about, about him? I would say... Do you see a little Billy Gilmore in him? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's good. Um, Jorginho was watching some Billy Gilmore highlights. Yeah, I, I, I really I appreciated the leadership, especially at nil-nil at half when clearly we should have been 4-5-0 up. I mean, the, the chances that we had in the first half were absolutely ludicrous. Um, and I think it was really good to see him uh, really kind of galvanize the group. And, look, Ross had a tough day. You know, not all the passes were connecting. You know, I think Mason played relatively well, but wasn't, you know, kind of his normal standout performance. And Earned a penalty, though. He did. He did by hustling. Um, and then, uh, you know, I think it was it was leadership to kind of get the team the clean sheet, too, which is huge. I mean, like, we, you know, we're going to talk about this in a second in the defense, but, you know, I think he is he's a central cog, and especially against a team that lacks quality like Brighton, he really does stand out to him. Yeah, I, I think Jorginho offered a lot in this match. I think he absolutely 100%, 100% should be the penalty taker when everyone is on the pitch for this team because Agreed. he just knows how to bury them and has an absurdly high success rate, conversion rate on them. And he... You know, basically froze Matt Ryan like it was freeze tag and he just didn't know he could move um, but yeah I really like that I, I think the one thing that I would kind of struggle with is that he has really struggled to do that over the top ball that over the top pass and I think if he can add that and kind of master that in the game he definitely makes himself really hard to substitute off especially as everybody comes back fully healthy you know that's probably the one piece that he just needs to get a little, little better at and you know look he's working right he's improving that defensive work rate a little bit he's offering more he, he's dropping way way back to help out in, in several points in this match when the ball was you know maybe mispassed by another midfielder and <laughs> he put some effort in and so credit to him for you know fighting through it for being a warrior brandon you, you know but there's a, i specifically remember that one time where Jorginho had a brilliant little chip inside to the top of the box and just neither tammy or whoever else was there ran onto it so now we're kind of back to the thing of, well, how many assists should he have if people oh, were no, no, we're, no, no, we're not going to get into that one now. <laughs> that, not this year. No. Last year you could make a stronger case, I think. You have more of a body. It's still there. The fact is he's still creating chances, um, which is the point that we're trying to make, is it you know, while he does sit deeper, um, maybe it was because it was Brighton, maybe not, but he was just able to get up further. He was able to, to move up into an advanced position and have a little bit more influence on play. You know, he did have two long balls. He had a through ball, um, 89% pass accuracy from Jorginho. It's a good day for him when, when he's there. He's got a couple tackles. Man of the match. You know, it's it's a good day from Jorginho. And uh, seeing him and Mason celebrate in that photo is just 
I mean, it's just great to it, see that passion and fire. It looks like one of those stage club photos where the, the you know, they're just doing the faux <laughs> celebration. It was, it was perfect. But I mean, like, I think the, the final point on Georgina before we move on to the defense would be the fans are absolutely falling in love with him. Mm-hmm. I think. Chanted his name. You know, compared to what you saw last year and, you know, kind of being the teacher's pet a little bit and, and having you know, maybe kind of a tough mid part of the season last year. He is really kind of growing in his uh, appreciation with the fans, and I'm I'm pumped for him, man. I, I love the fight. I love the hunger. I love the desire. He, he's showing a lot of mental and physical strength this year, and uh, I hope it continues. Well, I think that's what all of the Chelsea fans love is that effort and the hard work, mm-hmm. um, which you'll always get from him. He literally couldn't do it any different. Um but yeah, so let's go ahead and move on to the to the defensive unit as a whole. Unit. Um, so obviously we had Christensen and Tomori as the center backs, right? We had Aspilicueta outright, Alonso paying an actual left-back role, Kepa in goal if you want to include him. Not a great start from the back line. Early on, you got Alonso with a yellow card after an aerial attack, or I guess challenge. It was a, you know, it's a WWE move. Christensen, Christensen, you know, trying to slow down a counter, pulled someone down at half, and we got caught, caught out. I was a little nervy having those two on yellow cards, you know, early-ish in the first half. But overall, Dan, uh, Tomori, outstanding. As for the Quaita, outstanding, especially going forward. Uh, he found himself in the opposition box. But overall, you got the clean sheet. Yeah, it's, the one last thing we needed to see on our trip was a clean sheet, and we got it. So we got the Frank Lampard first home win, we got the Frank Lampard first Premier League win at home, and then we got the clean sheet for the first time this season. So Sprinkle in at N'Golo Conte Galazzo, and uh, not too bad. Yeah, you know, it's a, recipe, a trip. Yeah, it's a recipe for a great trip. I, I will say I think Tomori looks, continues to look like he's getting just acclimated without any type of issue made some amazing runs back to you know intelligently close down the situation to make sure that you know whether it was i'm going to take the ball and i'm going to turn it real quick and i'm going to be able to bring it back forward or hey you know what no one is around me and i'm not going to take a chance and i'm just going to kick it out of bounds so i think he's he's making the right decisions it's not just pace not just speed it's not just his ability to kind of muscle players off Nick, I think he is showing that he has a, a great reading of the game as well. I think given his stature, your your primary concern would be, can he challenge aerially? We saw, you know, Mike, uh, Mark Gurhi uh, against um, Grimsby Town midweek kind of struggle with some of that. He's kind of a smaller center back, kind of same profile. And Fakayo Tamori is absolutely able to jump out of the gym. I mean, he has serious ups, and I think you don't worry about the aerial duel as much. Um, I think he's he's so calm, Brandon, technically on the ball. You're not worried about him freaking out and passing it the wrong way. Uh, he's still going to make mistakes this year. He still you know, has a lot of room to grow, but man, I mean, super, super impressive. So, uh, Tamori's stats, if you haven't seen him, because uh, they've been making the rounds on Twitter, are fantastic. So, he had... Um, 90% pass accuracy off 90 passes. He had three long balls. He had two aerial duels, one, to your point, Nick. He had 100 touches. He he had a, he won a dribble, and he, had a, he only had to make one tackle. And why that sounds low, but when you watch him play, he just runs, he reads the game, runs it down, and just beats the player to the ball. 
and then goes from there. And that's what is so easy about it. He's not, isn't having to make tackles. He doesn't have to go to ground. He does. He just takes care of it before it's an issue. And that's what's so great about Fick. Um, you know, it was a little bit nervy days, though. They did hit the post, a very awkward kind of deflected shot that, you know, caught Keppa off guard, hit the post and went out. And another one that Keppa was frozen off a deflection that went wide, narrowly wide. Uh, a different day. This match could have been a lot closer and a lot more uncomfortable for Chelsea. It would have been completely undeserved, too. <laughs> Thankfully, though, for Chelsea, we were starting to see maybe a game where they, they controlled it the entire game, managed it, didn't let it get out of control, and just kind of had a a, a a professional performance. I think is the best way to put it back when one nothing was good enough for Mourinho. We know Lampard's going to want that type of characteristics and style from this team. Well, and what I will say is credit to Frank for the substitutions and when they happen. You know, we're getting into the, the man management, the rotation situation coming up where Conte is going to need rest. Kovacic is clearly a, a starter in midfield for us when we go play Lille or we have these big matches. And so to play Ross, even though he struggled through large portions in this match, this was an example of Frank taking the right risk, making the appropriate gambles, and then making the subs at the right time to bring in Callum and get him some minutes. And you know, he was looking like he's getting back up to pace fully, got that assist. Kovacic coming in, and then Mishi getting some moments as well. It was, it was a better performance from Frank managerially than we saw versus the Liverpool match. Yeah, I mean, I think you know he's still really limited by a lot of injuries. Um, there's This team has a, a hell of a lot of room to grow and to get people healthy is going to be a big part of that. You know, to have Ingolo Conte injured again with a hamstring, very worrying. You know, to have Callum just getting some minutes, you know, but not fully, fully back, you know, that's a good sign. You know, so you start to see some of these pieces move around and then, you know, I think when everyone's healthy, Brandon, he's going to have a real kind of nightmare selection, you know, conundrum. You know, you got Pulisic on the bench who's not playing right now. There's, there's a lot that are, that's going to go on that he's going to have to finesse uh, throughout the year. The, the best case situation, while it's not the best case right now, is that we have more matches so these guys can get minutes. And beating Grimsby, keeping the League Cup run alive is important for that matter. Obviously, that draw was Man United at home. Ole has already come out and said that they're going to play the kids. We'll see what happens. I think Frank's going to take it serious. But is, those are times for Is Ole going to be there to play the kids? Fair. That's a fair question. Um, I think lastly, let's just spare a thought for our number 10, William. A very divisive player at this club. He's, um, I don't know. I'm not going to get into too much of the politics. I just want to talk about his performance real quick. Uh, he had a, a, you know, statistically a very good day out. He was rated an 8.1. He had six total shots. He created opportunities. Only two of them were on target. He had a goal. And he had three shots blocked. 38 passes, 58 touches, four tackles. He's working both sides of the ball, Nick. Yeah, I mean, I think he had a relatively good day. I mean, he and Pedro both got off to a really, really slow, sloppy start. And that has to be said. Um, but William ends, ends up finishing his chance um, pretty well. Those big Little defle- deflection. Big deflection <laughs> in there. And Pedro misses a couple of really good opportunities. The breakaway was heartbreaking. Heartbreaking, and and you would you would think that between those two guys, like there are plenty of goals between them. I think they, you know, finishing is again. We're, we're kind of talking about the theme of the show. We got to be more clinical. We had probably eight or nine 
real chances at goal. Even if you convert half of those, you're up four or five nothing. Well, our expected goal was over four and a half. Yeah, which is four point eight one eight or something. The fact that we got to that high of a number and Brighton was in the like point ten. So they were not in any capacity really even remotely challenging in this game outside of a couple of what would have been very, very fluke against the run-of-play goals. What I will say for William, I think the one thing that was the most frustrating to watch during this match was there were a couple of key times, whether it was Tammy or Mason, there were available players for him to distribute the ball to to keep the attack alive and then he just you know maybe kind of try to take it on himself versus trying to interchange and I think maybe some of that comes with time with playing a little bit more regularly with some of these players obviously he didn't start the season had to kind of come back from injury had to come back from his time playing internationally but I, I think that's the one thing I would hope to see as the season progresses Brandon is that William is interchanging a little bit more with some of these other players. That is all about team chemistry. I mean, many people missed runners, turned the wrong way. They're just figuring it out. And I think that plays a big part into it, Nick, about the, the being clinical and, and everything. It's just they're growing into themselves again. I mean, William hasn't played that much with Tammy and Mason. He sure shit hasn't played with Barkley. Um, you know, but it, it's, again, the more minutes these guys get together, we start to get a flow a little bit. We're definitely going to see it, um, and I think that's what the the good is all up from here. There's there's no going down, you know, unless we have an even more devastating amount of injuries, but it's not going to happen. So it's only up from here, Nick. Um, find, but find some wood to knock on there, confident. There you go. <laughs> I, I will in this nice, lovely marble there's, there's metal no, airport. There's no wood here. Um, okay, well, we're going to wrap it up real quick with a little off the pitch. Uh, shenanigans maybe you might say nick uh, because we had an you know every time we come to london like the football is great but the people are even better way better yeah i mean it, we're gonna we're gonna miss people and mentioning everybody too yeah okay so uh this this was one of the best days out that we've had i think it was tremendous cock tavern beforehand uh saw a couple of our friends from the club saw uh, our friend jason ulner who it was just awesome. Um, he brought his daughter out. She was just raising hell, which was amazing. <laughs> um, who else, Dan? Who we else saw we Annie Saunders, Clayton Beerman, David Chidge, the, the Podfather, Glanville. Rick Glanville. We saw... Simon. Yep, Simon. SPBL, what's up? Uh, Adam. Reese came. Reese, we met up with him. Yep. Uh, Jamal Edwards, yep. yes. I met him for the first time. Yeah, it was Jamal great. Edwards is amazing. Uh, so George Benson came out as well as uh, Yannick. 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 As um, he, he taught us, it's French. Uh, it's it's all about you know like I said we got to hang out before the match we got to hang out after the match at the Atlas and then eventually for dinner with just a group of friends Gary Hayes came out Naz came out met uh, Lewis for the first time and used to yeah, do the 100 Chelsea uh, or 100 Chelsea TV yeah, we did that was great to meet him amazing so, yeah we we got to be as you know go as a group to dinner and and just kind of shoot the shit and this is the type of experience especially with our content creators Brandon that is really special. Yep. So it's it, again, it, it, the relationships are what make football what it is. You know, on the pitch for ninety minutes, you know, it is a roller coaster. She just said it. Marco said it. Everyone has said it. You know, it's all about what you do off the before and after. Sometimes the football gets in the way, and thankfully we we're able to not let it get in the way, but <laughs> actually let it enhance everything that we did outside of it. So again, thanks to everyone. Whether we saw you around the Liverpool match, the Grimsby match, or this Brighton match. 
you are amazing. All of you that we saw in the stadium that recognized us and everything and walking on the streets, like, that's humbling and crazy. Yeah, you, you guys, guys, you guys make you. this special, man. Yeah. You really do. It's yeah. incredible. We, uh, we're extremely grateful. We appreciate the opportunity to get to talk to so many people about Chelsea, about a shared love that we all get to have with one another that infuriates us and makes us happy and everything in between. And uh, we look forward to podcasting again uh, stateside uh, this week for the Lille match. That's right. Back in our chairs, at the desks, in the comforts of our own homes. Uh, I know Jake will be a lot happier with our audio quality, as I'm sure you listeners will as well. But hey, it's been an amazing trip to England. London, one of the greatest cities out there. Chelsea, the best football team out there. But until next time, Chelsea fans, you know what to do. Keep the blue flag flying high.